0: Hello and welcome to today's Vijay Hema podcast. Today, we're going to be hearing from four leading experts as they discuss the key considerations and next steps in the development and use of CAR T-cell therapies for the treatment of haematological malignancies, as presented at the fourth annual meeting of the International Academy for Clinical Hematology, which took place in 2021. First up, we're going to hear from Arnon Nagler of the Kaim Shima Medical Center in Tel Hashima in Israel. And he's going to give an overview of the different factors that determine a patient's eligibility for CAR T cell therapy.
1: We also will discuss uh, in the meeting uh, CAR T cell therapy, which is uh, really revolutionized the field. Uh, so we have a lot of revolution, but a lot of progress and uh, novel therapies. And uh, for the patient and uh, also for the physician, it's very good time to, uh, to be now in the field of hematology and transplantation. So for the CAR T-cell, immunotherapy, uh, for lymphoma, uh, for ALL, and also recently we approved the first uh, commercial product for uh, multiple myeloma. So uh, for lymphoma, it is the main indication for the uh, CAR T-cell therapy. We have uh, four approved uh, commercial products and uh, many academic studies going on. There is a starting to release of the, of the studies that compare upfront uh, in patients that uh, relapsed lymphoma, uh, diffuse larvae lymphoma, autologous transplant versus CAR T cells. And at least of two, in two of the studies, uh, there was an improvement in the disease free survival, not yet mature overall survival for the CAR T cells compared to the autologous transplantation. The third study was a bit different because patients were allowed to get chemotherapy after uh, the relapse. So uh, choosing the patient for CAR T cell and choosing the product is becoming uh, an issue. And of course when the patient need to, uh, that we are uh, offering them CAR T cells need first of all to be in the indication for the commercial CAR T-cell They have to, uh, the, the the tumor have to uh, be stable for three, four weeks, till the CAR cells are produced. If not, we need to give a uh, bridging therapy. Uh, we, we need to, uh, to they need to have a good organ function uh, because uh, otherwise the complication, the CAR cells are higher. They also, uh, I mean, there are now some kind of uh, scales for the toxicity of CAR T cell toxicity to CAR T cell. Mainly, the uh, the cytokine release syndrome and the ICANN, The neurological toxicity is proportion is uh, higher if patients have higher tumor mass, and we have some uh, factors that uh, that predict the response to CAR T cells, including the the tumor volume and PET CT extra nodular disease, uh, this is for lymphoma, and uh, in a, a high LDH or low platelet upfront, front. And for ALL, uh, on top of this, the P53 mutation is also a, a poor prognostic uh, factor for CAR T cells. So we, we have to de- today, uh, we are developing scales to, to predict response to CAR T cells and uh, predict toxicity. And this is very important because more and more patients will, uh, will uh, you know, ask and be referred to, to uh, CAR t therapy. And we need to decide uh, uh, to select the patient that will uh, say, uh, uh, so this uh, therapy uh, will be optimal for them and they will get, uh, gain the, the most of this uh, therapy.
0: Now, Ana Cerroja of the Catalan Institute of Oncology in Barcelona, Spain, discusses the main complications that can arise after CAR T-cell therapy and explains how they are managed.
2: CAR T-cell therapy uh, represents another example of a treatment that needs a multidisciplinary team. Uh, So, of course, the uh, hematologist at least for the time might eventually be uh, the center of uh, the treatment of these patients. But we have to recognize um, and that uh, these treatments are very effective, but they also have uh, some uh, quite clear and well-recognized uh, right now side effects uh, that will need other specialist supports, in this case, basically ICU and the neurologist. So the two most important uh, side effects uh, of cell therapy are um, the cytokine, uh, cytokine release syndrome, or CRS, uh, which is basically related to the massive activation of Um, T-cell lymphocytes in the body of the patient after the CAR T-cell infusion and the secondary activation of macrophages and other cells and the uh, massive, if I can say, release of different uh, cytokines in in the blood of the patient uh, that basically produce a quite complex syndrome which initially is being characterized by fever, eventually hypotension that can respond to fluid, but that eventually the patient needs to be transferred to ICU because refractory hypotension to the usual drugs or because of respiratory insufficiency and eventually intubation. So the um, uh, basic treatment for CRS is the use of tocilizumab, uh, which uh, normally is quite effective in reversing in reverting this uh, side effect and eventually a second line corticosteroids the second side effect which also is uh, very characteristic of T cell infusion and it usually happens quite early after uh, the infusion of T cells is the neurological toxicity which is also quite varied that can start with some very subtle neurological deficiencies, but that can eventually evolve to coma that also might need the transfer of the patient to ICU and eventually intubation. And here corticosteroids are the uh, first-line therapy uh, for neuro- neurological toxicity. Uh, we cannot forget all the toxicities that maybe are not so characteristics um, uh, of CAR T cells, but uh, that they are also important to be taken into consideration. So hematological toxicity, basically because we are giving um, lymphodepleting therapy to these patients that sometimes don't have a very good bone marrow reserve, and these patients are at a high risk of developing of developing infectious complications by opportunistic uh, microorganisms um, that we need to take care of. Uh, these patients might need uh, both platelet and red blood cell transfusions. And of course there are other side effects that can eventually happen when the patient has been uh, discharged and um, but they are really uh, less uh, less frequent. Next up, we will hear from Christian
0: Chabanon of the Institut Paoli e. Calmet in France, who's going to outline the main sociological challenges associated with the use of CAR T-cell therapies in the treatment of hematological malignancies.
3: Major challenges uh, with CAR T-cells, but also with other categories of gene therapies, are how will uh, we make these medical practices, these emerging medical practices sustainable. So technically, uh, we are uh, living a really um, exciting period of time because we now have access to improved and innovative treatments for patients who otherwise had few or little options for their neoplastic or non-neoplastic diseases. But many of these treatments come with a very high price tag and require a very specific hospital organization which in itself carries um, additional, uh, additional costs. And CAR T-cells uh, may be uh, the uh, most well-known situation. The price tag for an autologous CAR T-cells is somewhere in the range of 450,000 euros. The additional cost associated with the inpatient uh, stay and the prolonged um, follow-up of the patients varies from country to country depending on how you calculate the cost, but still represents a significant fraction of the price of the drug itself. Uh, With the uh, market size um, increasing and expanding, This will amount to a total budget that will significantly impact on our country uh, health systems, whether public or or private. And this is something that will require a public debate. I think another important example is the story with the uh, gene therapy for globin disorders, in particular for patients Uh, with thalassemia, So this gene therapy is made of peripheral blood CD34-positive progenitor cells that are collected through apheresis following mobilization with a combination of GCSF and plurixafor. This allows to collect a large amount of CD34-positive cells, and these CD34-positive cells are genetically engineered to express uh, beta-globin. And this allows to correct the phenotype and the clinical manifestations associated with uh, non-beta-zero, beta-zero, thalassemia uh, in children and, and young adults. And this is basically uh, the terms of the marketing authorization that was uh, uh, and the marketing approvals that was granted, conditional marketing approvals that was granted to the Bluebird Bio company a few months ago by the European Medicines Agency. So this was a very positive perspective to offer this additional option to this uh, patient population uh, that suffers of a non-neoplastic disease, however, uh, um, uh, severe disease that uh, uh, reduces significantly reduces the quality of life of, this, of these patients. And for those patients, the standard of care would be uh, uh, a transplant, an allogenic transplant from a matched. Uh, related donor, but obviously we cannot identify such a donor for all candidate patients. So again, another potential options, but we recently learned that the company had decided to withdraw its operations from Europe, to rescind its operations in the US, and so basically this treatment is no longer available for patients with non-beta-0, beta-0 thalassemia in Europe. And this situation is the result of the negotiations between the company and the healthcare authorities in several European countries in, uh, in major European countries. So my point here is that uh, we need to further anticipate and prepare a multi-stakeholder debate so that companies know what countries and healthcare systems are ready to pay. And maybe that us as a global community of citizens, think of what are the priorities in terms of uh, healthcare and what do we want to offer to uh, which group of patients. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that one group should be dropped while another will enjoy the access to the treatments but obviously we need to find conditions so that we do not face again this situation, which is absolutely frustrating to healthcare professionals, but even more, you can understand that to patients and to families because they know that the treatment exists, but it will be difficult for them or their relatives to to access it. So again, my my conclusion on this part would be that we are living a, a very, exciting period of time. Uh, We are seeing this new generation of medicinal products coming to the market, gene therapies, cellular therapies, but beyond the biological and medical aspects associated with the implementation of these new therapies. There are financial uh, and societal aspects that we need to properly deal with if we want this to be a full success to the patient uh, community. And thank you for your attention.
0: Our last speaker for today, Arnand Kater from the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands is going to provide insights into the processes underlying chronic lymphocytic leukemia induced T-cell dysfunction. And is going to explain how combining therapies might help to overcome this challenge.
4: One of my translational uh studies of interest in what we here do in, in our more translational study group in the laboratory is looking why uh, although it, why T-cell based therapies, cellular based therapies uh, like our T-cell, but also maybe B-specific antibodies is having a lot of potential uh, uh, in, in, in many types of lymphoma, not only DOBCL, but also mantle cell lymphoma and more recently follicular lymphoma, and why we see we do see responses in CLL, but only in a small minority of patients. And and what uh, our studies are suggesting is that as soon as T cells come into intimate contact with CLL cells, uh, that that they get an acquired T cell dysfunction. And uh, what we have showed is that this T cell function, what we can measure in vitro, very much uh, corroborates with this poor clinical outcomes after cellular therapy. And uh, what we do, what we study, is points how to improve it. And well, you can actually think of, of of three different aspects there. One is since we now know that this acquired T cell dysfunction is reversible as uh, as you pre- as long as you prevent the contact of the T cells with the CLL cells. One way to maybe uh, alleviate alleviated problem is to first treat patients with targeted agents like venetoclax, maybe also ibrutinate, wait for the T cells to be to improve function and then give as kind of a consolidation treatment CAR T cells or some other kind of cellular therapy. Second is that um, we are studying which factors are expressed by CLL cells that can impact the uh, T cell function and uh, Fleur Pages of my group presented a poster on Sunday evening, or Monday evening, actually it was. No, it was Sunday evening at the IWCL, where we showed that uh, two membrane factors, namely CD24 and CD52, they actually might uh, actively inhibit T cell function by interaction with a molecule called CICLEC10, which we are studying now. And a third option is that we earlier published that uh, what we have seen is that as CLL cells interact with T cells, those T cells get a metabolic dysfunction. So the metabolic plasticity goes down and we are now looking into methods to improve metabolic function. And we do that by, uh, by, by both epigenetics and by genetic uh, tricks. Actually.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We hope that these updates have given you plenty to think about. For more updates on CAR cell therapy, be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJHemong, as well as subscribing to Hemong Podcasts, which are available on Spotify, Apple and Podbean.